0: So hello. It's so wonderful to see you again, Malika. Thank you for returning to our (laughs) teaching.
1: Yes. Thank you so much. Um, This has been such a, last year was so wonderful and I was honored to be invited back. And so, yeah, I'm just super psyched to share and chat it up with you and share amongst our community members so we can stand up in the way that we need to.
0: Right. And one of the things that I'm really excited about is that since the teach-in, you also have come on board um, as one of the auth- the authors that are included in our upcoming um, book a- a- around Black homeschooling. And so the chapter that you've written uh, is really speaking about the liberation that you found through unschooling. And mm-hmm. um you know, last year you spoke at length about what unschooling is. And I know that some folks, you're like the name that (laughs) in the Black homeschooling community where when folks think about self-directed learning or unschooling, your face and your name is really the image that comes to mind. And Mm -hmm. so I would love for you to share with us um, a little bit about your company, the work that you do. Um, Mm -hmm. And also one of the things that I always I think is so fantastic is that one of your children actually does this work with you. So if mm-hmm. you can give a little overview about your work, um, the role that your child plays and then connect it to um, your views or your your practice as an unschooler, that'll be awesome.
1: Oh, I would love to thank you. So welcome everyone to another mm-hmm. year of a teaching, a virtual teaching for just beautiful, brilliant black families across the globe. My name is Malika Diggs. I am the owner of Eclectic Learning Network. I started this network six years ago and my children were the catalyst for that even happening. This is the first career I've ever had where their career chose me. And though it has been a very stretching, beautiful, ugly <laughs> past six years just running a business, being a parent, being a partner. How it all started though, was not at all <laughs> what any of us want. And in the chapter that I wrote that I'm so excited for all of you to receive, um, I kind of touch on what sparked that journey and how my mind was very fixed to your standard K through 12 compulsory education and, and what happens when you're confronted with a barrier. and. Do we allow ourselves to stay in that barrier or drift away? But before I get into that, to kind of lead me up to why I even had the space to write this chapter, is that my daughters really played a huge role in me starting ELN, because I could see in them so many things that I perhaps saw in myself, but didn't necessarily know that they were an option. To see that autonomy, to see that belief to encounter other Black and Brown parents who felt the same way I feel when it comes to compulsory education, but hadn't seen enough examples of people like us who are stepping outside of those walls and exploring learning in ways that truly support the whole of our Black and Brown young people. So I started ELN with that in mind so that any parents out there wouldn't have to go through what I went through to get to this point. Not to say that everything's gonna be easy peasy because if that was the case, we wouldn't even have this teaching, to be honest. We all need the support. We all need this kind of community. Um, I think of Ubuntu immediately um, and how us as black folks can come together and support each other. So ELN was definitely created in the heart of all of our people um, into the best ways that I can. And in this work, I do a lot of different things, as Khadija knows, but one of the things that I do is I partner with my oldest for a monthly segment that we have exclusively on My Reflection Matters, and it's called IOTA. Well, we know IOTA is short, you know, it's a short time span, but it's also an acronym for us, which means it's okay to ask, because in our partnership parenting practice, oftentimes we really get caught up in the fact that young people don't have a voice in their earlier years. And what can we do as parents to bridge that gap? And I'm an unschooling parent. And oftentimes when people think of unschooling, they think of things like Lord of the Flies, or they think of families with young people who are quote unquote, socially inept. And for us, that is not who we are at all. Um, Liberation for us does not mean that we are void of respect, that we are void of uh, responsibility and commitment. And my work and my work with my daughter is all about us working through those challenges. This work isn't about solving and completely finding every single answer, but us getting to know each other, our behaviors, our movements, seeing what happens. As parents, we're carrying generations of baggage, of learned behaviors, adopted behaviors. And in amongst all of that, we have biases and it shows up. It shows up in our language. It shows up in our body movements and our facial expressions. And we naturally pass those down to our young people, perpetuating potentially cycles of harm that we know have harmed us over the years. So our work is really about disrupting that. And we came together and we just started having this conversation. It was like, well, why isn't it okay to ask? Whether you're an adult or a young person, we kind of forget that it's okay to ask. We've kind of been conditioned to think that sometimes if we don't know the answer, that maybe we shouldn't go any further, that maybe we don't have the tools the knowledge or wherewithal and people feel embarrassed, but sometimes if we just ask, it could really take a lot of confusion off the plate thereby bridging that gap, that relationship gap between parents and their young people. So every month we meet and we have a live audience and we take one question and one question will journey us through an hour to an hour and 15 minute chat everything from setting boundaries, the impact of setting boundaries, how boundaries show up, the differences between a boundary and a preference, because oftentimes it's our preferences that are really being kind of tapped into Uh, the boundaries. Sometimes we don't know our boundaries until they happen. And it's okay to ask allows us to not only continue our practice in real time But to also chat with other families who are exploring ways to bridge those gaps, as I said, and really engage young people, not from a place that they are incapable simply because they are a child, but to really embrace the fact that we are humans in this work. And if we're going to engage this practice, this is a relationship like every other relationship that's out there, whether it be with an actual person, whether it be with our work, whether it be with the pet that we have, these are all relationships that we hold, which inevitably come with conflict. My role is about disrupting that as much as possible. Again, not to solve the issue because no one is perfect. We're all gonna fall. All I'm saying is, is there a way for us to reduce those moments that we fall? What are we learning when we get up from a fall? Are we even allowing the space for a fall to happen? Because we do have that perfectionist mentality, that mindset that says we can't fall or we're not allowed to be vulnerable in front of our children. All of those things for me are very much, they play such a strong role in everything I do, but very much, uh, was a focus of the chapter that I wrote for this upcoming book. And I'm super, super excited for this. Uh, as Khadijah knows, me and writing have a love hate relationship. Uh, but I gotta give this sister props right here because when I say the amount of support that she extended, not only to me, but to every other author who was a part of this project, mad props. Mad props to you for that. Um, but I kind of touch on a lot of the experiences I've had and I speak about unschooling, but within unschooling, a lot of parents who are either transitioning from brick and mortar school or transitioning from homeschooled to unschooling or self-directed education, there is that transitional period of, wait, curriculum? to no curriculum, what does that mean? And I get it because I've definitely been that parent who's like, I'm sorry, I'm a black woman with a black child living in this world as is and you're saying no school, no curriculum, what? And I had to take a moment and I really had to think about how learning actually happens and really kind of flush out where I got these thoughts from. And many of the ideas I had around how learning happens were all colonized colonized ideas on education. The fact that young people are supposed to show up between nine and three, these Pavlovian bells of 45 minute increments going off, expecting young people to be able to engage in the same way for the same amount of time for every single subject and with mastery and benchmarks. For me, those words are tethered to colonization. This mastery, what is that? That is a lifelong pursuit for me. That is not something that anyone, in my opinion, can grab in one class, let alone K through 12. If we really think about who we were as individuals, as young people, just stepping out of high school, were we ready to face the world? And when we think about unschooling and we think, well, if there is no curriculum, how will they be ready? And my response to that, as I never give answers, but my response to that is, have we ever truly known have we truly ever known? And this past year, this global pause, unfortunate for all of us because it was forced, it, it, it caused us to have a shift that no one could have predicted. But in the midst of all that, there was something that came out of that, like a glimmer of light. It allowed us to take a moment and look at ourselves we had an opportunity to connect with our children in ways that we either hadn't done in a very long time or didn't expect to do. And all of the headache, <laughs> whether you are in school, not in school, headache across the board. But we did see something. And if you're watching this, that means you saw something too. And you—and maybe it wasn't the pandemic thats that was the catalyst for that. Maybe it was before. and the the pandemic was the icing on the cake. You're watching this, one, please know that you can do this and that, that there is, some people call it a process, but for me, it's a journey because a process suggests that there is an end to this, a very fixed time where things are just gonna be done. And parenting in and of itself is a lifelong practice to de-school ourselves to unlearn all of the ways or as many as or as many that show up for us all of the ways that we've been impacted by colonized educational practices how it impacts the ways that we engage our young people how we speak to ourselves it's all there for me that journey of de-schooling is not just about that transition from carrying a schoolish mindset to being one of liberation and growth. But it's in everything we do. And there is no way to separate it. Some people will say that there's a formula, one month for every year that your young person has gone to school. For me, that term or that equation is problematic because it's not including us as parents, right? We have the most amount of years of indoctrinated beliefs. We are the ones who have to do that work. And that process is not something that you can apply a schoolish mindset to. You you couldn't just take a quick course and be over and done. It naturally happens as you ebb and and flow through life. There isn't any way to say, oh, I'm done de-schooling. Because as soon as you get past one hurdle, your young people are still growing and you too are still growing, another hurdle will come. So whether you have a toddler or a preteen who's all about screen time and social media and you are just pulling your hair out, hoping that they stop, even when they do or if they do, they're still gonna be teens and young adults who also have a whole heaping other of needs and support that just show up differently. So. I would definitely say this is a marathon and it is one that is centered on liberation and healing. Wow. So we're we're at this close and I I love these tea talks and I they they push my buttons at the same time because we only have a few minutes to get as much as we can in. I can't even say everything. We get as much as we can in. But after this tea talk if you're sitting and you're still wondering but what? But how? When? Please, I offer it to anyone who's watching this video, please reach out to myself. And there are several other organizations that you can connect with. Some of the, author, the authors of the book may also be of great support to you. But please reach out through eclecticlearningnetwork.com. And I offer coaching sessions for either families, individually, or as as a group, if there is a collective of you who really want to start your own self-directed or unschooling community, or just have a group of parents who really wish to decolonize these harmful practices, there is a space for you. You're not alone. This work really does stretch you in ways that you could not have imagined, because it looks nothing like what you're used to. That's the only difference. We're comfortable sometimes, most times, because we know it's coming, even when we know it's harmful for us. But if we allow ourselves to push beyond our comfort of what we know and what we don't know and explore the things that we know we don't know and really tap into that and be patient and giving ourselves grace, there's a way.